guys, welcome back to But What's Next with me, Michelle Reed. I am so excited for this episode because it's actually my first official real solo episode. I did one as kind of like an intro to this podcast early on, but I wanted to do a solo podcast because obviously if you guys have listened to the intro and you've listened for a little bit, I really wanted this podcast to be pretty interview-based. I personally really love listening to interview podcasts with guests and just really getting different perspectives. Every now and then I do think it's nice to just throw in something that's solo from me personally, from my own experiences. And today's episode is one that I am really excited about because it's all about how I moved to New York City, why I wanted to live there, and kind of going through my college experience, why I chose to go to college in New York City, how I moved there. I also wanted to talk a lot about financials. I really break down kind of how expensive it is for people who actually want to move there because I know that a lot of people listening probably have a dream to live in New York City. And I know with coronavirus right now, New York City has been really hard hit and I'm actually home in Texas right now. And so there's some parts of it that I really miss. And I thought that that was the perfect time to do this episode because I only really have a lot of good things to say because I do miss it so much. And it's kind of like whenever you actually live somewhere, there's so many negatives, but then when you're pulled away from it, you only really remember the good things. And so I am gonna go through pros and cons if anyone is thinking of moving there. Obviously, I know a lot of people probably aren't actually moving right now. I know a lot of people are in a really weird stage with finding a job and kind of going into post-grad life in a new city. But if you are looking to move to New York City in the future, I think this is a good podcast to listen to and just one that I get a ton, a ton of questions on and I really wanted to break it down. So for a little bit of background, I was actually born in Chicago, but I moved to Texas when I was literally like one years old. So I basically consider myself born and raised in Texas and I love Texas and even just being home for the past couple of months, I'm definitely in a weird place where I'm like, is this actually a really nice place to live? Because it's so much less expensive than New York City and I've just had a lot of thoughts about where I want to live in the future and where Aiden and I should move. And so that's a whole nother story and one that I will talk about once I come to an actual decision. I've lived here ever since I was about two and it's definitely the place that I call home. I love it here. I think it's so great, especially if you are starting a family. It's so affordable. You can get a pretty nice house here in comparison to other states for what you would pay. So I really, really loved it. But in high school, since I had always kind of grown up here and was really used to being here, I really missed kind of having a new experience of moving somewhere else. And so in high school, I always had this dream of moving to a new city. I thought that it would be so fun just to kind of start fresh, move somewhere fun, move somewhere new. And I thought that college was the perfect time to do that. And I actually do think that moving for college is such a great thing because you're really thrown into a new environment. It's a little bit safer because you have, you know, the college structure to kind of give you structure in your life versus kind of moving post-grad. It's a lot harder to make friends. It's a lot harder to meet people. Not that it's impossible. It's definitely not impossible, but just to say it's a lot easier to do it in college rather than post-grad. And so that was kind of my mindset. My brother, Derek, he's actually, I believe he's 30 at this point. He just turned 30, which is crazy. But I'm the youngest and he's the oldest. And so whenever he went to college, he actually went to the King's College in New York City, which is where I went. But seeing him move and visiting him, it really kind of opened my eyes up to New York City. And I think that anyone who is drawn to living in New York City, there's just this intense urge you get because it's so, you know, alive. It's busy. It's fun. There's so much to do. It's such a go, go, go 
place, which I think whenever I moved to New York City, I was such a go, go, go person. And I'm now not really as much of that, which I'll kind of go into later on. But it just really attracted me. I really, really enjoyed it. And there's this quote from Joan Didion, and I love Joan Didion. She has a lot of books on moving to New York City and There is specifically one that is all about like short stories. It's called Loving and Leaving New York City, I believe. And it just kind of shows how people fall in love with the city. But there's this one quote from one of her kind of short stories she wrote. And it says, quite simply, I was in love with New York. I do not mean love in a colloquial way. I mean that I was in love with the city the way you love the first person who ever touches you. And you never love anyone quite that way again. And I think that kind of just expresses why you fall in love with New York City. There's just this kind of magic sense of it and it really does feel like you're in a movie being there. Just kind of that initial falling in love with it is so special and so I really had my mindset on New York City when I was applying for colleges. I knew that I would want to move to New York City and so I actually only applied to three different colleges. The University of Texas at Austin and the King's College were my top two choices and the reason why I was between the two is UT Austin is a really awesome school but particularly they have this thing where if you're I'm not sure if it still works like this but when I was applying if you were in the top seven percent of your class you got automatic acceptance and so it was really easy to get into if you met that requirement and I just had a personality in high school where I worked so hard on grades grades were so important to me and I don't want to say that I'm not naturally smart but I'm the kind of person who really has to study a lot to get the grade and I studied so much in high school I always tell people that studying in high school and then YouTube those are my two things like that's all I did in high school I was number 20 out of I think like 630 students in my class which I'm not saying that to brag at all I'm just saying that to show that that's how hard I worked in high school because grades were so important to me but with that being said I had automatic acceptance into UT going to UT would also mean that I would have in-state tuition which is awesome and they actually have a really really awesome business school it's called the Macomb School of Business and they just have a really really great reputation and so I was wanting to go into marketing there and so I was really between UT Austin because I had gotten into the business school which you had to apply to even if you were automatically accepted into the college and then the King's College was my second choice which is a small liberal arts college in the city and when I mean small I mean like a thousand students maybe if that it's very very tiny and as you guys know at this point I've had a professor from King's on my podcast I have another one with another one of my professors so I loved my education but I do have a whole video if you guys want to check out my channel in the show notes I have a whole video about my college experience if you're interested in King's I think it's very informative so you can check that out but I was really tied between these two schools ultimately the reason why I chose to go to college in New York City was because I wanted to be in New York City. I mean, I love Kings and I loved my education, but the main factor of me choosing Kings was because I wanted to be in New York City because I just really, really loved being there. And the thing for me, so I'm the youngest of five kids and tuition was something that we really had to work on to get as many scholarships as possible. And we didn't get a lot of like government aid just because we weren't in the financial 
position to get that as a lot of other people are, which I totally understand. And King's just had a lot of scholarships that they offer. They had one that was like a leadership scholarship where you wrote an essay on someone and a figure in history who you really appreciated. And then they also had one called the Founder Scholarship where you gave a presentation. It was this whole thing and it was so nerve wracking, but I didn't actually win that competition, but it was supposed to be for a full ride to the college. But I ended up getting an honorable mention, which got me to the tuition that I needed to be able to consider King's as an option. And so that is ultimately why I chose to go to King's. And that was the first time that I really moved to New York City. And it's so funny because now I am so much more anxious and fearful of taking risks than I was at 18 when I moved. And I don't know if anyone else feels like this, but in high school, I was just fearless. I would do all these crazy things with my friends. I would just be so much more spontaneous than I am now. And I think that comes with getting older. You're just so much more guarded and worried. And for me, just so much more practical. But at the time, there was no doubt in my mind that I couldn't move to New York City and kind of start my life there. And so at 18, I made the move to New York City and it was so fun. I basically bought all of my stuff in the city. So I had two big suitcases and I remember my mom came with me to move me in. At King's we had student housing, but the fun thing about living in New York City is the on-campus housing still feels like you're in your own apartment because I actually lived in Brooklyn even though our school was in the financial district. I live in Brooklyn Heights, which is my ultimate favorite neighborhood. It is such a special neighborhood for me. It is just where I had all my initial memories of moving to New York City. I shared this tiny studio apartment with my roommate Lauren and it was so much fun. It was so fun. The apartment was so old. It was very dingy, but I think when you're young, you're 18, you're moving somewhere new, you just don't care about those things and none of that stuff mattered to me. Like I was so excited to be in New York City. That first year of moving was so magical. I had just so many awesome memories of meeting so many new friends. I've never been the kind of person who had like a huge friend group, but I remember that year I had so many friends. That's when I met my boyfriend, Aiden, who is now my fiance. And I have such fond memories of just falling in love with him in Brooklyn Heights. We would sit on this bench on the Brooklyn Heights promenade, which overlooks the city. And we would stay out till like 3 a.m. And we would just talk about absolutely absolutely everything. And those memories are so special to me. It's actually where he proposed to me, which is really sweet. And I just feel like I grew so much that first year of college and grew so much living in New York City because, you know, growing up in college, it's hard enough kind of moving away from your family, moving somewhere new, but moving to New York City at 18 is just like a whole nother ball game. You have to grow up so fast. You have to learn you know, things that maybe you wouldn't have to learn anywhere else because you're just thrown into everything so quickly and kind of forced to be an adult before maybe you would anywhere else. So now at this point, I have lived in New York City for about four years. So I think I have a good sense of kind of how to find an apartment. I have a good sense of the pros and the cons. And I wanted to go into the pros and the cons next because while it is a magical place, while it is such a lovely city, there are things that I think are important to consider before moving there. And I want to be very concrete about expenses because that's something that you know you hear New York City is expensive but I think it's a whole nother ball game to actually talk about how expensive it actually is so I'm going to share how much I pay in rent which now looking at places in Texas it's just crazy to think 
how much more expensive it is in the city. I think that's probably the biggest con and that's a con that you're gonna get living in any city in general. Urban areas are just gonna be more expensive. And I will say now with coronavirus, I know a lot of people are moving out of the city and so rent is a bit cheaper now in terms of what you can afford. Cause typically in the summer, that's when apartments are the most expensive to rent in the city. But now things are kind of busting a little bit just because of everything going on there. So, so I beforehand was used to being taxed in Texas which Texas does not have state income tax, which is a beautiful thing. And I'm sure they factor that in through other ways. I'm sure you just get taxed more in other ways. But in the city, you have to pay federal, state, city. And there's an additional tax that was on my on my paycheck whenever I worked at my agency. And I think that's a big thing. I am so used to being taxed through self-employed taxes. And so they're not actually something where I get a pay stub and I can see the breakdown. I do it quarterly. And so I'm still paying the same amount, but you don't really see that breakdown as much versus in June when I started my first full-time job. If you guys don't know, I worked at a marketing agency for six months before doing social media full-time. That was the first time when I saw the breakdown of how much I was taxed and it was nuts and i know in the city you pay for a lot of amenities you know parks subway there are things that they have to keep up with so there's definitely a reason why you're being taxed that much granted usually in new york city when you're working there you do make more to make up for the cost of living but still just know that it's definitely very crazy kind of comparing to texas where you're not taxed as much so rent is another biggie so just for reference you can get rent prices that are different all over the board in the city. So if you live in Queens and kind of deeper parts of Brooklyn, any boroughs that are actually not technically Manhattan, you will be able to get a more affordable apartment. And so I just want that to be said. But for me, I have lived in Brooklyn Heights, as I said, and I have also lived in Manhattan. So I have definitely a little bit of comparison, but currently I live in Manhattan and I live with my roommate Rose, who I love so much. We live a walk-up style building and we actually live in a two-bedroom apartment, but it is the kind of bedroom apartment where they basically broke down the bedroom into two. So it's like two junior bedrooms. We sleep in twin XL beds. So it's definitely a little bit tight, um, but I love our apartment. I miss it so much. It actually has a washer and a dryer in it, which is really nice and very rare for the city. It has a dishwasher. And then we actually only live with a few other people. So there is one of our neighbors actually does the maintenance. So he fixes anything. He kind of handles the building. He is our neighbor. And then there is our landlord who actually lives in the building, which is very nice. It's just a really sweet elderly couple who own the building and they're so kind. So it definitely feels more like we're living in like a townhome versus an apartment building, which is really nice. But with all that being said, I pay $1,700 a month for rent and that does not include Wi-Fi. That doesn't include utilities. And I think our gas and water is included in that. I'm pretty sure. That is how much I pay. It's a lot, a lot of money. And obviously that's just my half. So Rose also pays $1,700. So together we pay $3,400, which is definitely a lot of money. But I will say in comparison to, I follow a few other people on social media who live in New York City. And I know that they definitely pay a lot more. And a lot of my friends, whenever I worked, my coworkers, they paid closer to 2000 for their own bedroom. So it definitely depends on where you live. And I think that that's just something that you have to factor in. When I was earlier on in college, I actually lived with a lot of roommates. So I lived with another roommate. I've shared bedrooms. I've just had a lot of different living situations. So you can definitely make it work if you need to live kind of in a way where you can actually afford 
different prices for rent, but that is me personally. I have done a few videos on like what you can get in New York City for different prices if you wanna check them out. And I also know there are a lot on YouTube too. I'm gonna to go into actually my apartment tips later on in this on how to actually find one and kind of everything that you should have up front, all that stuff. So I will go into that later, but I think another big thing that's expensive in the city is groceries. So if you shop at a traditional grocery store, so say somewhere like Key Foods, somewhere like Gristiti's, somewhere that sells name brand food items. I was amazed the first time I went grocery shopping and just saw how expensive it was. I think I spent $250 to stock up my pantry when I first moved to New York City. So my biggest tip would be to avoid those places and shop at Trader Joe's because Trader Joe's is pretty much the same price that it is in the city as it is anywhere else. So whenever I go to Trader Joe's in Texas, I pay the same amount that I pay in New York City, which is nice. And it's a lot more affordable. And in the city, you can only buy as much as you can carry. So it's also nice because you cannot overbuy on groceries because you physically cannot carry them home. Um, and then another expense that you have is just your subway pass. So my subway pass for an unlimited Metro card is $127 a month, which is technically cheaper than a car because you don't have a car payment. You don't have to pay for insurance. You don't have to pay for gas. And so I actually think that the subway is a lot more efficient. It does have delays. Some of the trains will randomly be down. It can be extremely frustrating, but for the most part, I personally think the subway is pretty efficient compared to you know, metros and other cities that I've gone to. And I think for me, the second con would be just how go, go, go it is. And this could be a huge pro for a lot of people. This is just me as I get older, I really realize the kind of beauty of just being able to rest and relax and not feel the need to constantly be doing something, not feeling the need to constantly be consuming something. And I think in the city, there are a lot more temptations to kind of be busy all the time. And I think if anything, this pandemic has really taught me how to be better at resting and just listening to other people and really valuing my time with other people. And that's something that I think is a lot harder for me to do in the city. So I've really appreciated that. But in the city, it can be a lot harder to kind of slow down. I think that another thing that is huge for me is you are always around people. Um, it is extremely crowded in the city. There are a lot, a lot of people and it can be very hard when you need alone time because a lot of times you're living with a roommate, you're living with multiple roommates. It can be very difficult to kind of have your own space. And that is why this year, I said my rent was 1700 so I used to live in a luxury building and I was paying that same rent to share a bedroom with my roommate and I decided to actually get my own bedroom because I think that having your own space is so worth investing in if you have the financial means to do it. I would highly recommend having your own bedroom. It makes a big, big difference and it's kind of the reason why I chose this apartment with Rose. And then I think the last thing is you do have to really grow up fast. And if you are younger, if you're 18, 19, 20, I think can be a really great thing to have to grow up fast but I just think it's something to be aware of and something to know that it can be difficult whenever you are kind of forced to be in situations that maybe you wouldn't be in a more suburban and I actually have a story for this because this was the first time that I think I had that rude awakening that I wasn't in Texas anymore and I think I was a sophomore in college but I was studying for a test that I had that morning at my 9 a.m in college and so as a sophomore I still had to commute to college and so I had just like a 10 minute commute I think so I had to get on the subway and I had made flashcards to kind of prep for some vocab words that I needed to know I don't think it was vocab words I think it was for a history class I'm pretty sure but I was studying them on the subway and I was flipping through them and then I totally realized that my stop was there and so I had to get off and I didn't realize that my wallet at the time because it was in a very thin 
wallet case and it realized it was in between my legs and I got up to like get up and I had my flashcards and I was scrambling. The doors closed, I'm walking up the stairs trying to get off at Wall Street and I realized that I don't have my wallet. It is not there and the subway is zooming away. And so I remember I just did not know what to do. I was like, do I tell someone? Do I not tell someone? Do I just file a report? What do I do? I eventually went and I asked the MTA employee at the front. There are usually MTA employees who kind of oversee people who are buying Metro cards or need help. And so I went to her and I told her that I had lost my wallet and she just looked at me like, she had heard that so many times that day and did not care at all. And so I eventually went and I filed a police report on my own. I had to go to the lost and found, which I believe was near Penn Station. It was this whole thing. I never found my wallet. I had to get all my cards redone. So like my ID, my student ID, my debit card, my health insurance, all this stuff. And I think that was the first time where I really was forced to kind of be an adult in a situation and kind of chart my own path to finding a solution to something. And so, Things like that I feel like just happen all the time in the city and that's just one example, but they're very common and you do have to grow up pretty quickly. But on to the pros, I think one of the biggest things, and this is something that people don't talk about a lot, but people are actually very nice and they like to help you. And I think there's this assumption that all New Yorkers are mean, they don't want to help people, that they're self-centered and... Yeah, people are busy and that's because it's a busy place and it's stressful and people have personal things going on. But if you genuinely need help and you're in a situation you need you need help, people will help you and it's okay. And I actually have a story for this one as well because when I was working at my agency job, I just had a day where I was so stressed. I was so stressed out. Um, my job at the time was very stressful. I think that I was starting out my career, so I was just figuring out how to handle stresses from a boss and kind of howling to figure out how to deal with things. And I had a day where I had so much on my plate. And at this time I was doing both YouTube and my job full time. And I was experiencing a lot of growth on my YouTube channel, which came with so many sponsorship opportunities. I didn't have a manager. I was just doing everything on my own. And I was very stressed out. I really missed my family. I just was having a very bad day. And so I remember walking out of the office, it was in a WeWork building. And so there were basically a ton of different offices within the office, but I was walking out and I could just feel tears starting to stream down my face. And I was so embarrassed because I'd always been told not to cry at work. Like, don't let people see you cry. And I was walking to the bathroom. I was trying to get there as quick as I could. And I remember this guy just like pulled out of his office and he looked at me and I looked at him and I was so embarrassed. And he just told me, he said, ma'am, I just want to tell you that everything is going to be okay. And it was honestly so insignificant and he was probably just doing that to be nice but it meant so much to me and it was kind of one of those moments where I realized that people are ultimately people and even in New York City people care about you and they want you to be okay and so never feel like in the city people are mean and they're not going to help you because they really are. I also kind of touched on my neighbors in my building but I love where I live in the city right now. My neighbors are so so kind. Um, I remember one time Rose was at church I think and I was at our apartment and randomly our pipes started flooding and our sinks were flooding with this black water. It was so gross and they would not stop and I did not know what to do and so I ran down and I was praying that someone was in my building and so I knocked on the door and my neighbor came out and he 
had actually gotten all these bowls for us to like scoop up the water and run it down into his apartment. He actually has a patio, so we'd like throw it out onto the patio. And he did this with me for literally an hour just to keep my sink from overflowing. And you know, those are just things that you don't have to do. And I even think in Texas, sometimes our neighbors here are pretty quiet. We don't hear a lot from them. I think in New York City, you're forced to be around people so much that you really are forced to be a good neighbor if you care about people and people are really nice. And I think that's a really positive part of the city. This one kind of goes without saying, but there are so many opportunities in the city for all different industries. I cannot even tell you personally for my own social media career, the amount of connections I've gotten here. I meet so many people, just friends of friends who are stopping in, who live here, who know someone, and people are just in the city a lot, and it's very easy to meet people. And obviously with the virus right now, people aren't really networking as much in person, I would say, but you can meet so many people. For me, even with this podcast, something that I miss so dearly is the Spotify studio. So I do this podcast with Anchor, which I love. And if you're starting a podcast, I'd highly recommend. They are phenomenal. They make it so easy to start a podcast. I actually get to record in the Spotify studio in the World Trade Center building, and it is beautiful. And it's so nice when I'm interviewing with guests who... I just come in and I get to bring them and it's professional and it feels very just real <laughs> and not as if I was just setting up my podcasting equipment, my apartment. It's so nice. You know, here in Texas, I don't have anything like that. And obviously if I was in the city right now, I wouldn't actually be doing that. The Spotify studio is so nice. And I think it's just little things like that, that pretty much every company has some sort of something in the city that you can use. For me, for just doing social media, there are so many events. You have New York Fashion Week. You have so many brand partnership opportunities. It's just a great place to be for the social media space. I also think that the public spaces are awesome. I can't tell you how much time I've spent in Central Park, in the Brooklyn Heights Promenade, on the pier. There's just so many places that you can go to for free, which is so nice because, you know, those are the reasons why you're paying so many high taxes in the city is to be able to use all these public amenities and they really are great. And I think the last thing is just the inspiration. I can't tell you how inspired I feel just seeing people on the street, meeting people, how busy it is. You just feel all of these creative juices that, you know, can be hard to feel when you're in a very just traditional, maybe more suburban environment. You definitely just have a lot more inspiration, especially if you're in a creative industry, if you're in the fashion industry, it is just a great great place to be and I think that the pros definitely outweigh the cons. So say I've convinced you to move to New York City and you want some practical tips, I'm going to go to how to actually physically move. So how to get an apartment, how much money to have saved, how to hire movers, all those things I want to go into. And so for my first tip, it would be to definitely have enough money saved. And I don't want to tell you that you should have X amount of money saved to move to New York City because I think that so many people move to the city with $1,000 in their bank account, maybe no money in their bank account. People just make it happen and they move without jobs and they make it work. So for me personally, I am not that person. I wish I was the kind of person who just spontaneously did something without actually thinking about it. But I think that money is not the answer to happiness, but I think that it can be, you know, a road to 
getting where you want to be and it can really alleviate a lot of stress if you have you know the financial means to move somewhere and so for me I would recommend moving to the city with at least ten thousand dollars saved and I'm going to go into how much it costs to actually get an apartment and that's going to be the reason why I think it's important to have that much money saved before you actually move so when I got my apartment there were a few things that I had to pay up front so these are things that to get my apartment, to get them to believe in me, they give me the apartment, I had to have these things set in stone ready. And I would argue set in stone and ready literally when you tour the apartment. And maybe that's not the case now because the New York City real estate scene is a little less competitive with everything going on, but you know, a year ago when I got my apartment, this is kind of how it worked. And these fees actually vary a lot. And I know for a while there was a lawsuit happening if broker fees were going to be a thing, but I'm pretty sure they're still a thing. So I would expect to pay them. And you can definitely negotiate them. I think that you can definitely try, especially now to negotiate things. Broker fees typically vary from when I looked at apartments, they were usually 15% of the annual rent. So however much you're paying over the course of a year to two months of rent, a month of rent, they really vary. I think a month of rent was pretty normal, but for my apartment personally, my broker's fee was two months of rent. So that's two months of rent that you're just paying to the broker that you don't get back. So it's a lot of money. And then my first month's rent plus a security deposit. And so my security deposit was a month of rent, which I think is also pretty normal. So I end up paying $6,800 just from me personally. So that's not even Rose. Rose literally paid that same amount too. And that is how much we had to have up front to get our apartment. And I'm not saying that's going to be every single apartment because it's definitely not. But that's just our experience personally. From the apartments that I looked at from other people, that was also kind of the same amount as well. A lot of apartments don't have broker fees. So you can definitely try to find those as well. But typically if you're getting an apartment that's in say like an older building that isn't a luxury apartment, you're probably going to pay a broker's fee. Versus whenever I looked at a lot more like nicer buildings that were very updated, a lot of those did not have broker fees because they're doing it through the building and not necessarily through like a broker. And then second, if you are in the financial place to be able to move, I would say just to commit, you know, you have to take that moment to say that you're going to make it happen. And it's amazing when you set your mind to something, how it can actually happen when you actually commit to it. And I think thirdly, before you actually move, it can be really helpful to explore different neighborhoods. And I know right now, not a lot of people are traveling, but I definitely think that you should actually look at apartments, look at neighborhoods before you actually move. So don't get an apartment in an area because you like the apartment, but you don't know the neighborhood because the neighborhood in New York City says a lot. You spend a lot of time around there. You spend a lot of time, you know, make sure there's a grocery store nearby. If you don't have laundry in your building, you want to make sure that there's some sort of laundromat that you could go to, you know, check out gyms, check out parks. Just make sure you're aware of everything that your neighborhood has. Has to offer. And then for me, because I am just someone who doesn't necessarily like to take risks, I would also recommend having a job before moving. And you can definitely move and actually just get a job once you actually move. I actually have a podcast episode with my friend Laura coming up and she talks about how she literally moved to New York City without a job and found one and made it happen. So I would really recommend though, personally, if you are someone who's more like me to just make sure you apply and try to get a job beforehand. I think it will make the process a lot more easy. And I also think that if you're finding an apartment, usually you do have to prove your employment status. And I think it can be helpful for getting an apartment if you don't want to have your parents actually guarantee your rent. 
And then I would say because New York City real estate moves so quickly, I would recommend looking for an apartment about a month before you plan to move. And I think that gives you enough time to really kind of scope it out and search and see what you really want to find. And my word of advice would be to make sure that when you actually go to tour apartments, you're ready to sign a lease that day or the day after viewing because a lot of times you'll go there will be three other people viewing it as well and probably not now with corona i'm sure they don't have multiple people touring apartments at the same time um but you'll have multiple people looking to buy the place that you are looking to rent and you just want to make sure that you're competitive and so i'd make sure to have everything ready and in terms of the stuff that you should have ready i would recommend having your employment and income verifications your pay stubs, tax returns, and then if you have like a stock portfolio, I will actually recommend actually going to Google and like checking and seeing the exact documents, but those are typically things that you need to have whenever you rent an apartment. And this is also the big kicker. If you wanna sign a lease on your own, so you don't wanna have your parents on it, you don't wanna have anyone else on it, you have to make typically 40 to 50 times the monthly rent per year. And I think that that's just a big kind of slap in the face because a lot of times whenever you are like post-grad and you're in your first job you're making a starting salary which isn't anything outrageous and you know 40 to 50 times even say you get an apartment that's two thousand dollars you have to be making eighty thousand dollars a year to sign the lease so it's a little crazy but most apartments do allow you to have a guarantor so even if you're paying your rent you can have your parents on it if they meet the income requirement but sometimes people actually make you do 80 times the monthly rent that you make per year year if you are a guarantor so just check and see and I know there are a lot of ways around that so if you have money up front you can prepay rent maybe you prepay it for six months and then do it six months after if that makes sense if that's something that's doable just negotiate and try to figure it out with whoever you're trying to rent the apartment from and I would highly recommend hiring movers again I feel like all this stuff is kind of half advice because I don't know if a lot of moving companies are working right now. I'm assuming they are since they are technically essential, but I would really recommend Roadway Moving. They're a New York City moving company and they're definitely pricier, but they do absolutely everything. They pack everything for you. They move it all. They unpack it. It's so easy, so seamless. They do such a good job. I was sponsored by them when I did my move, but I'm actually going to pay for them for real when I have to move again because they are amazing. They do such a good job. And they moved me when it was 90 degrees outside. It was humid. It was raining. They moved me to Manhattan from Brooklyn in three hours total. And it was just insane. They do such a good job. And then my last tip, I think that a lot of times when you get your first apartment, you really want to furnish it quickly. So you go on Pinterest, you see all these ideas. Maybe you watch Julia Havens on YouTube, who I love, who is the interior designer queen, and you buy all this stuff. I would recommend just making sure to furnish slowly. Look at Facebook Marketplace, see what people have online. Used furniture can be really nice and I actually got a lot of my furniture for my apartment used and I remember one time we bought this dresser from a girl, she was actually a ballerina, which is like my alter ego job. I think that being a ballerina would be so cool. But she was selling a dresser and we bought it from her apartment. We moved it five flights of stairs down and we like walked two blocks to mine, which is just such a New York City thing. But People sell really cool stuff in New York City, so you would be able to find such good furniture if you check there. And this last little segment is gonna be a little bit of a Q&A. I asked for questions on my Instagram, which is just at Michelle Reed. It's in the show notes if you wanna go 
hit me with that follow, but I asked for some specific questions that you guys had. And one of the biggest things that I got was if I feel safe living in the city as a young woman. And I would like to say that I do feel safe. It's funny because I actually feel less safe in more kind of less populous areas versus New York City. And the reason why is because people are always out. And of course at night, you should maybe be roaming around late at night by yourself, but there are still usually people out. There are so many people out in New York City all the time and you just feel more safe because of that but obviously i mean my tips for like staying safe in the city was just don't be out late alone don't walk home alone at night i always had my fiance aiden walk me home ever since we started dating that was just something we did and something that i appreciate so much we have so many good memories of him just taking me home at night but yeah make someone take you home if you can and besides that if you are walking home alone just you know be aware of your surroundings make sure that you know who's around you at all times. Don't listen to your headphones on full blast, especially on the subway. It's something that I try to always have like one earplug in if I am going to listen to music on the subway. You just want to make sure that you're aware of your surroundings. I think the subway is where I've had the most weird encounters, but it's usually not on the street as much. When you're choosing to rent an apartment, just pick a neighborhood that maybe has a better safety rating so you can actually look up the crime rates in different areas. And I will share some neighborhoods that I particularly feel very safe in when I'm around and I will share those in the next question. But I think that's a big tip to have. And then also whenever you're getting on the subway, this is kind of a joke that people say, but never get on a subway car that's empty. There's likely a reason why it is empty and just be aware of your surroundings. I've had very odd subway encounters where I I felt like someone was like really aggressively staring at me. Someone was really close to me. Never feel afraid to switch subway cars. So when you get to the next stop, just switch to the next one. I never feel bad for doing that because you just never know. I have had weird encounters that I'm not going to share because I just don't think it's productive to do that. The only weird one that I actually had that was really bad was actually in an Uber. My Uber driver told me that like he had a knife and I actually think I have a story time on this as well, but it was pretty nuts. And at the time I didn't really think it was that crazy, but it was one of the those things that I got out and I was like hmm he actually asked me if he could turn off the tracker on the uber too which was probably a red flag so yeah I've had more weird encounters on uber rides versus in the actual cities so and then the next thing if you're on the street and maybe you feel in danger maybe you feel like someone is following you just pop into a bodega Dwayne Reed there are usually a lot of those at Starbucks just pop in and you know wait it out in there if you think that someone's actually going to do something to you. And I think the next biggest thing that I get asked is just safe neighborhoods to live in. And so for me, there is going to be a correlation between neighborhoods that are safer that also are more expensive. And there are definitely neighborhoods that are less expensive that are probably safe, but most of these are going to be more expensive neighborhoods to live in. But for Manhattan, I think that the Financial District, Battery Park City, and Tribeca are obviously going to be very safe. Financial District really closes up at 8 p.m. Nothing really happens after that. And Battery Park City just feels very, very sterile. It feels very much like a place where you would go raise a family. It kind of feels like the suburbs of New York City, in my opinion. And then Tribeca is literally the most expensive neighborhood in Manhattan. So probably not the most practical, but those ones are definitely safe. If you live uptown, you can usually find better rent prices. So Upper East Side and Upper West Side, and those are both extremely safe. They're also kind of the suburbs of Manhattan. A lot of families, a lot more elderly communities, just a very safe, quiet area. And then Brooklyn actually has a ton of really safe neighborhoods. As I said, I lived in Brooklyn Heights, which is also a very expensive neighborhood, but it feels very safe. Cobble Hill, very safe. 
And then Park Slope is one that you can probably find something that's a little bit more affordable, but it is also known for having a lot of families. So it is generally a lot safer to live in as well. I also always get questions if it is a good idea to move to New York City just for the summer. And I think that is a perfect idea. I think a lot of people do summer internships in the city and there are so many sublet options. So people who have year long leases, they're just looking to sublease for a few months. I think that that could be a perfect time to move and just see if you like it, see if you like the vibe. Summer in New York City is also amazing. It'll be interesting to see what it's like this year because it's so different with, you know, having to be spread out from people and everything. Um, but it is such a beautiful time. It's truly a magical time, like walking around when it's 85 degrees and a sundress and converse and, you know, going on little picnics, going to Central Park, biking around, doing, you know, the boats in Central Park. Like there's so many fun things to do. And I think it could be the perfect time just to move temporarily, maybe not this year, but maybe next year just to kind of get a vibe if you like it, if it would be something that you'd be interested in. I also get a ton of questions about being in New York City as a Christian. I get, you know, a lot of people who wonder why you would pick to live in a place like New York City if you are a Christian because New York City obviously is a more secular city. And this is something that I think is really interesting. There are so many churches in the city. I remember when we were trying to find a church my freshman year, there are just so many different cultures, so many different ways of worshiping that you can appreciate. Grew up in a very non-denominational church back home in Texas, but now I go to a Presbyterian church and I just really appreciate kind of making my faith my own in a new city. And I don't think that New York City is like a hostile place to Christians. Obviously there are a lot of temptations of things that you likely maybe are avoiding as a Christian things that you would view as sins but at the same time it really strengthens your faith and there's so many good opportunities for community my roommate rose goes to hillsong and has just an awesome experience with her community group there yeah i really like the philosophy of tim keller he talks a lot about how it's important for christians to be in places like new york city to be in places where you know culture is really being shaped really being affected and to kind of have a say in that Christianity is really important to be, you know, in that space. And he really encourages Christians to be in places like New York City because oftentimes it can be intimidating, but it can be really rewarding for your faith as well. I get a lot of questions about how to make friends outside of school and work. And to be completely honest, I don't have a great answer. I think that it's really easy to make friends with people who have like-minded interests as you. So school and work are likely places where that's going to happen. But I just mentioned church and obviously not everyone's going to be into church, but I think church is a great place to meet people. But beyond that, I don't really know. I guess there are a lot of apps you can use. I'm not someone who uses dating apps or I know now they have like apps on Bumble where you can meet friends. Meeting friends of friends, I think just being the person to reach out to people so maybe someone moves there. I've had people actually DM me to hang out. One of my friends, Sabrina, she actually messaged me just like as a viewer and was like, hey, would you wanna go get brunch? And we got brunch and now we meet up a few times a year and she's really sweet. So I definitely think that it just takes like being the person to kind of reach out because everyone wants friends but not everyone's going to reach out to actually make them. And I think the last question that I get a lot is how long did it actually take to feel comfortable navigating the city? This was the thing that I was most scared about was figuring out the subway, not getting lost, not feeling like I was stranded. Truth be told, I think that it's actually really easy to navigate New York City. The systems and the metro, everything is just very organized and it can be kind of chaotic but it took me maybe six months to feel entirely comfortable and just knowing different stops, knowing which train goes where. And I would just trust yourself. It's a very easy system to figure out, but I was also not afraid to ask people if I didn't know where I was going, if I got on the wrong stop. 
if I just had no idea how to get somewhere, I would just ask people. Because like I said, New Yorkers are actually nice and they usually do want to help you out if you need help. So just be kind and people will be kind to you too. And I think that you can definitely learn to navigate the city within six months. So that is all of my New York City knowledge that I can spill out for you. I hope this was very informative. I wanted it to be very just practical and helpful. I think that a lot of people romanticize New York City and I do that too, but there are things that are very concrete that I think are good to just know before moving. And I know a lot of you have dreams to move to New York City. So I hope this kind of inspired you. I think that you can do anything you set your mind to. And I think it's just all about being prepared and kind of knowing what you're getting into, but you can definitely make it happen. And after being at home in Texas, there are just so many little things that I miss about the city while also feeling like, you know, maybe it's, the time in my life to move somewhere that is a bit more affordable like you know maybe this is kind of inspiring me to make a new move I don't know we'll see I will keep you guys updated but I hope you guys enjoyed this if you did feel free to leave me a review if you're on apple podcasts and make sure to subscribe to this podcast I think that's what they call it if you want to keep getting notifications to listen and you can also follow me on instagram let me know what you think it's just at michelle reed I love reading your dms it seriously means so much to me so thank you guys so much and i will talk to you guys in my next episode